0: Welcome to the biggest podcast of the Summer Racing Festival. It's Derby and Cup weekend, or maybe it's Bow Mistress and Thomas Lyons weekend. Whichever way you want to slice it and dice it, it's a big one. This is the Summer Racing Podcast, and I'm Matt Reid on behalf of Taz Racing. I feel like uh, this bloke should have some intro music, maybe like Stone Cold, Steve Austin's Breaking Glass or something, but I couldn't work that out. But anyway, the big bear is up and about. Bear Robinson, how are you, mate?
1: hello snap yeah very excited there's two more sleeps so i just uh can't quite think what sort of state i'll be in at this time on friday night so i'm sure i'll be up and about probably down at the calcutta by this stage so um, yeah it's exciting times and it's just a great weekend of racing at uh, one of the best tracks in the land
0: yeah friday twilight for the derby and does roll into the calcutta i'll be on official duties both of those. But anyway, huge show. We'll do our best not to have this go on for hours. Uh, Lonnie on Sunday will recap the Gold Sovereign meeting. Our special guest this week is Hall of Fame trainer Gary White, who's got a few good chances across Friday and Sunday. We'll have a look at all the feature races, $100 strategies for Friday and Sunday, Bears Brief and Snapper Special. Bear, uh, we had a day meeting in Launceston on Sunday. Rail was out plus seven and a half, and said this to quite a few people, Bear, I think the track, it raced really fair. You could win from anywhere, but, jeez, rail out. It makes for some pretty messy racing, and I think that was reflected with some of the results. It wasn't a great day for punters.
1: Yeah, spot on. Um, obviously, there was a win. It was $81 early, set three wide the trip, and won pretty comfortably, so... Um, so if you finished in front on uh, Sunday, you're a better punter than most. But um, the Cups King, Johnny Black, has taken out another cup. So um, him and Ziggy Kara have formed a formidable combination in the last six weeks. And I'm sure they're hoping that continues on Sunday.
0: Yeah, well, let's start there. It wasn't a feature. It was one of them, the Armadale Stud Citizen Cup. The old Super Swoop, uh we identified on the podcast a few weeks back that this horse is it's just an out-and-out stay. You basically got a Penny's form below 1,800 metres, and, and since then, I think he was third in the Longford Cup, he was fourth in the Brighton Cup, should have placed there, uh won in Benchmark Company, and then won the Citizen Cup with a good rails-hugging ride from Singe Car, who did draw Barrier 1, actually got a one-week holiday for a ride here on Super Swoop, but... Uh, she's not frightened of a suspension, Siggy, and as a punter, you love that. You know she'll uh, she'll get the best out of him. Really tight finish. Cole thought the outside horse, Azaranka got there. But we can pat each other on the back here, Bear. We both found super swoop for the, for our $100 strategy and drifted out to a, a really nice price. Um, I guess the question going forward, Bear, is this form good enough to win a Launceston Cup?
1: Uh, potentially not, but, uh, you know, the Connections, they've now won two in a row. It was a perfect ride by Ziggy. Um, got a nose down right on the line. Azaranca was good from well back, but whether that form stands up in a couple of weeks' time, um, time will tell. But either way, the Connections have got a Lonnie Cup runner, and I'm sure they're all excited and looking forward to that day.
0: Money horse in this race was Brew Horse. Steve Shaw gave uh, him a pretty good push in that race, and he's gone huge here. He- didn't, wasn't able to race as close to the speed as he usually does. Brewhorse race wide without cover, boxed on really well to be only beaten zero point six lengths. I'll touch on the other twenty one hundred meter race a little bit later in the program, but this race was over a second slower than the maiden class one. They didn't go hard early. They did go hard early, to say the least. In the maiden class one, uh, there was about seven length uh, sorry two and a half lengths between first and seventh. Uh, I think the trifecta are all going to go to the Launceston Cup here I would say Bear my gut feel is that um, this race probably won't be strong enough to be winning that race but in any event I think connections of the trifecta here know uh, that their horses go there in, in really good order and you never know who sticks on after Hobart and, and what's left. We see time and time over. The Lonnie Cup numbers do drop away, so uh you never know. But that was the Citizen Cup, a, a good betting race, and uh, you have moved back in front of me on the $100 strategy with a 75 oh. at about 9.20 on Super Swoop nice. to get the job nice. done uh other feature race on the program was the main event there on sunday bear it was the gold sovereign for two-year-olds really good story here i think yassi nishitani um very popular uh trainer very hard-working trainer and, and jockey back in the day i think um we can say sort of no superstar but uh very honest performer has some nice horses and give him a lot of credit for his placement here of, of the Spirit of Zero and, a, and I guess a well-managed preparation to get him to a race where he peaked and arrived at the right time to uh, to knock off the favourite Need Sugar.
1: Yeah, it was a great ride too by Toker. Um, just arrived in the nick of time. I thought Need Sugar and, and Cam's batted on well and it was good to see Bobble um, show some of the trial form taken into the race. But I don't know if you notice it, but I obviously touched on Island Warrior first start down in Hobart and it didn't go that flash, but he was hitting the line rather nicely along the rails there on uh, Sunday. So it might be one to watch as a three-year-old as they get out over a little bit further. But um, well done, he, he as you touched on, he's a good person and he works really hard and it's great to see a trainer have a success in a, in a big race like that.
0: I did notice Island Warrior because I had something, the drum at about $19.00. Island Warrior, you're right. I think, I mean, a few of these might stick on to the size produce, which is the 1,400 metre two-year-old race. But I mentioned the the sort of campaign for the Spirit of Zero, won a maiden in Devonport, sorry, ran second in a maiden in Devonport oh. late in 2022, uh, then won a maiden in Launceston, arrived here third up off a platform, which I think really saw in peak bear, where I think a few of the others... I mean, Need Sugars run, in a was the most experienced horse in the race and was really honest. Cairns had that big gap between runs and was a huge query here coming off that Hobart flop and, uh, she bounced back really well, which was great. And then you're going down the list of, of horses that w- were basically maidens and, and really just having to throw up the stump. So, I mean, I, I think it's probably a, a wide consensus that this isn't the, the strongest two-year-old crop we've, we've seen in a while, but, I mean, they still run the races. They still pay the prize money regardless. So well done to those that had a dog in the fight. And um, we'll see how the Spirit of Zero stacks up as a three-year-old. But it, it probably feels a bit ripe for a new new horse, new horses to come onto the scene as three-year-olds and see what happens when we arrive at the three-year-old cup and the three-year-old trophy uh, next year. As mentioned, Bear, it's probably a, uh, a card that most punters will want to move on from. I think that Friday night of the Lonnie Guineas pro- program, uh, most punters saw them pretty well. It's a good example here. One week you're Nostradamus, the next week you're Stevie Wonder. <laughs> it's a game where you get levelled pretty quick and there was a good square up for, for punters on Sunday.
1: I'll say it again, mate. That's why the bookies drive BMWs and I drive a high luck. So it'll continue to happen. So my advice going forward is when you have a good night on the punt, don't get too big-headed and just enjoy yourself.
0: Well, just before we move on from the program, I we had Shori on last week, and he kind of reluctantly tipped Dominator's girl, and I joked with him that I won't tip it this week. I've basically been on old preparation, but I did back the horse. I think they, they bet as much as 18 or $19 early mm. on. She started $5. Um, Shori mentioned that she's been tipped out. So her preparation following... Her this campaign bears been three wide no cover first up moral beaten second up missed the kick third up and then was about eight wide on the turn inexplicably handed up two starts ago in a race where the leader kicked and nearly won at any old price and then got a close line on mm. Sunday when she was looking for a run so it's one that got away this campaign for Dominators Gelbert. I guess she remains eligible for everything next preparation, uh, being still a class one. Uh, but let's move on bear. Enough of the stop stories from Launceston. We've got two massive days ahead of us at Hobart. Weather forecast is looking as though it will play the game. Rail true on Friday, rail six on Sunday. It's the same formula that was used last year. We haven't had the commentary bear for Derby Day that we're going to get a, a mad leaders rails deck. I mean, <laughs> those people have gone quiet this year, which is uh, good to see. But uh, you, you as you mentioned, you'll be out there both Friday and, and Sunday.
1: Yeah, I love Derby uh, night. We're upstairs, five or six, good mates. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I think the function starts at 2 o'clock, and I said to the boys I'll be there at one59 um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to having a few Coronas and a nice meal and hopefully back a couple of winners. Looks a program where a couple of favourites probably are going to be really tough to beat, but I think there's a bit of value in a couple of the other races. So, um I mean, as you touched on before, Snap, there was a bit of a, a dialogue about how the track would race last year, but I, I think the track's as good as any track in Australia now. So um it'll be a fair track for um, all participants on Friday, and I'm sure it'll be the same on um, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, we attack uh, Friday and Sunday, expect nothing but a fair racing service, I think. Before we get stuck into the form, though, Bear, let's hear from this week's special guest, uh, key chances across Friday and Sunday, it's Hall of Fame trainer Gary White. Special guest on this week's pod. It's apt that we get him on on Derby and Hobart Cup weekend. He's won both of those races. He's a Hall of Fame legend. I talk about Gary White. Gary, thanks for your time.
2: Hi, oh, it's a pleasure, Matty. It's, uh, Joe, it was a big wrap.
0: Well, it's certainly deserved. Uh, talking about those Derby and Cup victories, all his Gold in, in the Derby and free beer a long time ago was one of your Hobart Cups. What springs to mind when you think about those victories back in the day?
2: yeah well yeah I went free beer we coulddol uh, the uh, Hobart Cup with him and lastcon and uh yeah uh, you know there's all Bacas and uh, those those horses it was just yeah it uh, brings back a lot of a lot of uh, fond memories and uh very courageous horses and you know I was very very fortunate enough um, to um, have some great clients that supported me and uh, believed uh in our planning and and when it comes to fruition Ma uh, you can just imagine now how you feel and um, and uh, yeah, I've got a great team of people supporting me and still have, and it's um it's always when they come around, you don't have one in, it hurts a bit, but um you always strive to get that next one, but uh I like that one or two of those horses back in my stable.
0: yeah, you're not wrong. well, speaking of the stable at, at the moment, Gary, team's going super, twelve wins this year at sixteen percent. Um, twelve wins already—a bit higher than than what you've had in recent seasons. Anything you can put your finger on, and, and how the team's going so well at present? Well,
2: I, uh, Dave and uh, my former and, uh, uh, and my wife Belinda, Dave Moore and, my, and and Belinda, my wife. Um, yeah, they've. Uh, nurtured these horses when they were younger and uh, I think I spoke to you on several occasions about some of them, how they showed ability and it just sort of wasn't happening on the track and uh, as you know, you can't beat Dr Green, they go out in the paddock and uh, mature and come back in and uh, it's uh, like, let go back to that little two-year-old ran fourth on the weekend, uh, David had been spruiking her for quite some time and um, you know, then things weren't sort of happening out there on the trials or the track and um, and then to, uh, you, you relay that information onto to your owners, and they don't come to fruition. But um, then uh, to see what you did on the weekend, so that type of thing, and, and that's the ability that some of these others have shown, and, and it wasn't happening on the on, on the day, and uh, to see but to see them now coming to fruition, I think it's just maturity. Um, and uh, we've got some uh, a couple of young girls now that have come into the stable to really help us out with uh, Dave and Belinda being unable to to ride, um, which is. Uh, Jim Curtin and uh, Livia Carr, uh, they've been sensational to say, and their feedback has been just
0: uh, invaluable. It's important, isn't it, to, to sort of hear, and I guess that's the advantage that you have with, as you mentioned, um, Belinda, of course, writing the work as well. It's great to, to have that relationship with someone that's doing the work day in, day out, I suppose.
2: Oh, you can't beat it, Matty. I mean, when they come back in and now with uh, Belinda being unable to ride, you've got young Gemma Curtin and Olivia Carr, um, you know, their feedback, because uh, Belinda obviously knows the horses, so she knows that what they're saying is spot on because she knows the horses inside out. And uh, when they're not right, uh, you know, and Belinda can have a discussion with them and, uh, and to see that, um, you know, that sort of uh, – Discussion happening, and then you're learning by listening to them both yourself about the horse, and then I can make a decision which way we go and what we do. And and uh, you know, it's amazing how their feedback uh, to me, and and how we've been changing two or three things around with how we work them, and uh, from that. Uh, that feedback, it's just, yeah, and it's obviously, and it's going, it's showing on the track, and I'm just so pleased for, for the owners and the girls, uh, because obviously they're because they treat X, Y, and Z, and then you go up there and you see it happen. Um, and, uh, but look, you know, these horses get fed the same, work the same as, as, as in the past, and, yeah, uh, you know, uh, we've often always said it's not what you feed, it's what you feed it to. And, um, history shows that, uh, when we get a good horse, we obviously know how to manage a good horse. And, uh, but it's hard getting, it's hard getting, uh, with the younger trainers coming through with all the social media that they do. Uh, it's pretty hard to compete with them. Um, they're more up on, on, on that than I am. And I'm, I'm sort of pretty well hands on and, uh, I do the mucking out as well as run up, watch them and wash them and, you know, I, perhaps I should be running around with my phone and filming them more, but, uh, I understand you like that a lot more, but I like to be more, um, down and dirty with them. And, uh, you know, uh, if it get your horses to train, it does, if it doesn't, well, say so be it, but, uh, you know, but I love what I do, um, and I love the industry and, uh, uh you know, I try and do whatever I can to promote it. And, um, you know, uh, and it's been good to me. So, uh, and these horses coming good at this time of year it makes me feel uh, good and proud for the team and and my clients that to support
0: me. Yeah, well, I said, ever since I've been involved in the industry, you've been a pleasure to deal with, Gary, that's for sure. Let's see if we can find a couple of winners from you over the weekend. You mentioned the horse or well, horses with ability. I think Chinchiro is certainly one of those that, that fits the bill. What did you make of uh, his first up run in Lonnie?
2: Yeah, look, um, he had a couple of little excuses. He's not one of those horses that likes to get involved in a bit of a, bit of a bump and duel. And he got a little bit uh, squeezed early and, um, you know, uh, said he wasn't comfortable in his action there for a little while and whether or not he whacked himself, I don't know. But look, he's always going to be a little bit sus with his, uh, first up run, Matty, because when you get him back for that little short spell, uh, you don't want to do too much. And, um, because we're going to build up to. And, uh, he, um, he's, like I was happy with his run and he had to do a bit of work. I was happy with his run, um uh, but Bullet sort of thought he should, have, he thought he did the line a bit quicker than harder and go the line a lot harder than he did. But look, like I said to Bullock, perhaps you would just expect too much, uh, from him and, uh, he's, uh, but it, he comes through that race enormous and, you know, I think we're going to see the horse we saw win three races in a row on, uh, on Friday.
0: Was there any kind of setback with him, Gary? I mean, when he won those races in such impressive fashion back in November, maybe he was thinking about him as uh targeting something pretty big over the carnival and, and here we are right in the middle of it and he's, and he's only in the 70 if you just had to be patient with him or was there a setback?
2: He's a really soft boned horse, Matty. And uh, when you ran in the derby last year, you swore to God he was shooting sore after you he raced. He was, at, you know, he was always, you always, had to be really easy on him. And uh, that's probably uh, uh, one of the reasons why uh, you didn't want to push him. But he sort of, I thought this time next year, he may even be a, you know, like a cut horse. Um, and I thought the, like, you're running into horses like the inevitable, the champion and uh, in, the, in the Thomas Lines, which has been a fantastic race for me. I've, I've been very lucky in that race. And, um, but, and, I, and I said to Dave and Louise that uh, perhaps, um, you know, uh, we'll head towards the a uh, uh, Street Stakes, which again used to be, which is a race we won a fair few times and before it was renamed. And, you um, so I thought we'd probably go that way with him. Um, I would have loved to have run him again over 14, another 14, so I could have backed him right off going in this race uh, after his first upstart, but it wasn't to be. I didn't have another option, so I thought, well, yeah, it appears to be a really nice race for him.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, One horse that maybe you're taking advantage of pretty limited opposition looks to be Elusive Princess in the strut, Gary. um, I mean, she's... Thrown in the deep end, but limited opposition, and and she looks a horse that will stay.
2: Yeah, look, um, obviously, uh, Gay's horse is going to be extremely hard to beat. Um, I've uh, we, we tried riding her forward, Maddie, and it didn't really suit her. Um, I thought she'd be uh you know like enjoy that little bit of room, and uh, she didn't seem to really enjoy being up on the speed. And we so I said to Bond at you're going to keen out of the gates, we just uh, just anchor, anchor her down a bit and let her find her feet and go. You know, um, so I think it's a way to ride her and. Uh, obviously on Friday she's going to she uh, draw a one which is not going to be any different. She'll just uh, jump out and you'll you'll just snag her and get us to relax. But look, she's she's got uh, staying pedigree and uh, she should hit the line really strong. And whether or not she's good enough to win it uh, against Sol Choice, I don't know. But um, I'm really sure she's going to make a presence felt uh, over the last two or three hundred metres.
0: We'll look forward to seeing her. Uh, a runner that's emergency for a couple of races on the weekend is Galan. Now, I reckon this horse was in when I had Selkie in a race going back a few months ago now, Gaz, and uh, we had no luck with Selkie, but Galan had no luck in that race either and probably should have won. Can we expect a forward showing from Galan if it gets a start?
2: Certainly. Yeah, yeah, she's got a run, Daddy, so, yes, he's um. Uh, he's a horse that, even though he's drawn a little bit awkward, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge problem for him because he likes a little bit of room. Um, his horse has been disappointing you know, on face value, but he's got more than average ability. Um, Gemma came back in the other morning and she said, I just can't believe this horse is a maiden. I said, none of us can believe he's a maiden. Um, she said that uh, you know, he's as good as any maiden I've ridden and he looks a million dollars. He's going to be the pick of the pick of the day, apart from Chinchiro, I mean, he, he looks, an, he, he looks enormous, the horse, and um, a magic looking horse, he, um, his work's been phenomenal, uh, he, yeah, I, I, I just can't believe, he's still a maiden, but he has a, I don't think Mowbray suited him, Matty, that, you know, the tight turning um, course, I don't think, or, having too many corners, I don't think it suited him, I think the, the hobo track's and a you know, really suited him a lot better as he as he showed his first up last up and he hit the line really well and I think out that straight just that one uh, that corner from the 600 to the to the turn and then another straight and I think it's going to really suit his action. He, uh, he takes a big stride and uh, for some unknown reason he finds it all around those tighter circuits. So,
0: but he's a horse
2: that um, you know he's promised me the world and give me an atlas. Um, but uh, he's got a lot of uh, there's a lot of ability there that's just got to come to fruition.
0: Well, we hope he wins a race because, as you say, he's too good a looking horse not to be posing for a winner's photo somewhere <laughs> along the line. Um, Keen to ask you about a couple of horses. We'll, we'll start with Just a Tribute, but I guess the relationship that you've built over time with the owner, Eddie Hirsch, and getting these horses that are ex-Johnny Salonitri has been a, a real recipe success for you, and, and Just a Tribute's a prime example of that. He's chucked in the deep end in the Thomas Lines.
2: Yeah, no, it was really fantastic. Uh, you yeah, know, like Frank and John's um sent horses down to me a lot had oh, been nearly six or seven years ago now and um it was sort of built on that. Then Eddie sort of sent him other places as well and he ran me up one day and he said, um, I've got another one for you and he said uh, if you can get him right in the head, he's he's a bit of, he's got more than average ability and so I gave him two starts here. The first one wasn't a bad run and then the second one uh, probably just a tad disappointing and I asked Eddie, would you mind if I just gave him a short break, which we did and we brought him back in, you know, that that run at Hobart was just phenomenal um, when he won his first upstart here, and then he came out and put those uh, few together, and probably, um, he's probably got a case to say that he shouldn't have got beaten last prep, and so, uh, you know, I asked Eddie would he mind if I have a crack at the, uh, if I gave him a little break and sent him for the Thomas Lions, which, again, I, I mentioned him, it's going to be a hot field, you know, we've got Rebel Factor, got it inevitable, I'm sure they'll be sort of heading that way, and um, yeah, you know, and I said to him, but I don't mind a challenge. I, you know, we don't run away from a battle. And, uh, he said, well, look, he said, if you're keen to have a crack, yeah, he said, let's, let's have a go. Uh, I said, all they can do is beat us. Um, you know, when we're on that million dollar race in Queensland, you know, we never thought we'd win it. But, uh, so, you know, you go up there and, and sometimes, um, miracles perform while you wait. And, but let me tell you, uh, the good horses won't want to be having a bad day.
0: So he's, uh, he's flying by the sounds, but I love that fighting spirit too from you, Gaz. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be riding off just a tribute. Uh, one horse that, t- that took forever to break through, and he made you sweat for it last time, Jack-Jack, <laughs> but finally got there. Can he win again in a Maiden Class 1? Well, he should.
2: I, I think he can. I just can't believe um, I had a discussion with Bob uh, a couple of weeks before the um after young Lizzie rode him, and uh, down the back, you know, I asked her to sort of, if she could go forward a bit, uh, a bit sooner while they're on the bridle one. For whatever reason, she wasn't able to do that anyway, and uh, uh, Bob was a little bit down about it because it's his favourite horse, and, and I, <clears throat> I didn't know where he want to go on with him, and I begged him to keep going with him, but I said, look, the horse is absolutely thriving. I don't know why, but he's thriving in the stable and uh, often trainers say, oh, they add up after the race and but they'll probably left you know, a, a couple of kilos of food. But, um, but he, honestly, he just licks his being clean and he's absolutely in a great headspace space, but uh, his last start, because he came out and wins, he's, oh, so he ran second after I begged Bob to run him again, got a bit of head by a ball at the Marcus horse, Bersico, who's in the derby. And then he came out and um, obviously won, but, Isabel said he was going to just go to cruise the line. He said as soon as I eased up on him, he said, "Okay, switch off, timeout." He just he decided to switch off, and um, he said next minute I had to get up him again. Um, so um, he's yeah, he hasn't got backwards at all. He's just thriving in the stable and himself, and yeah, you know, he's and he races just as well on Hobart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When he beat Threes a crowd, who came out and won on Sunday as well. Um, gut feel, Gary. Who's your best chance of a winner across Sunday and Friday?
2: Oh, look, um, obviously Chinchero is the best, um, uh, of the horses. Obviously, he's, he's going to be a quality horse, I think. And, um, but, uh, uh, if they took their track work into the race, uh, inevitable each way in the, in the Thomas Lines and uh, Gallon would be, uh, you know, if he ran up to his ability, um, and how he's working out here. And, uh, as I said, Gemma came back each time on, uh, what you call, uh, Touch a tribute and said this author will just win, and it did. And, and she said that same thing about uh, Galan. So, Galen, so I just hope that she's, um, her judgment uh, hasn't waned since uh, since her, her, her outstanding performances with her, her feedback recently.
0: All right. Good push for a couple at a big price. Going to be a busy couple of days from you, Gary. Uh, hopefully we can get a couple of winners and look forward to seeing you out at the track.
2: Good I hope you're running up to me with that microphone.
0: Really good chat with gary there bear um i love talking to gary he's always really honest he's uh, a really good endorser of the tassie racing industry i think um he's been doing it for a long time but he's still got the passion and it's really pleasing to see some him having some good horses but also good results
1: yeah he's been a trainer a very good trainer for a very very long time he the way he conducts himself and represents the industry is, is second to none and i I actually remember when he won the Magic Millions on um, – oh, geez, I reckon it was over 20 years ago. I reckon Darren Gouchy might have ridden the horse. Um, I had a couple of dollars on it, so it's always fond memories for me there. But I just did laugh at the back end of that chat how he said he was going to – he thought the inevitable was a good each-way chance. I think he was meaning to say his horse in the Thomas Lines, but um it's just nice that Gary's endorsing the inevitable as an each-way um, hope on uh, Sunday. So hopefully he's on the money.
0: Might be a- – like an inadvertent Quinella or something like that with just a tribute and and the inevitable, but uh, probably a bit of a defensive bet if you're taking the inevitable each way. (laughs) We'll touch on Sunday a little bit later. We'll start with the Friday program, Bear. Uh, We might kick things off with the Bow Mistress. I know this is always labelled as Derby Day, and for as long as the Derby is on the program, it will probably be Derby Day, but... Let's make no bones about it. Uh, The Bone Mistress is the highest class race on the program and it's attracted the the deepest and probably the best field for the day. Uh, Bookies went up nice and early around all three features uh, which are being run on Friday. We're recording on Wednesday night. We've had prices since about Tuesday afternoon. Uh, With our friends at Ladbrokes Dance to Dubai is $2.20. She is the favourite. Ahead of Raduna at $6 for Real Life at Sevens. They are the three that are below $10 in a race for Phillies and Mare's Bear. I've actually got a bit of a a hot take on the Bone Mistress, but I'll let you go first. Tell us what you think about the the Group 3 on Friday night. It's
1: a nice race. Um, It's obviously Group 3 status, so um, a good horse usually wins this race. Um, dance to Dubai is the obvious. I think it brings really good form from Melbourne. Um, whether the gate's just a little bit sticky, there looks to be a little bit of pace underneath. So if Carlene Heffel can get across and doesn't do too much work, I think it's going to be really, really hard to beat. But I've actually had a little bit of time last night while I was having my cup of tea before bed and I watched a few trials. So that's how well I'm going at home, watching trials from Victorian, um, Victorian trials nothing, on a. There's
0: nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that.
1: So, uh, if you get a chance out there, you need to watch the trial of Mbella, the Tom Dabbadig trained, uh, mayor, um, the trial behind I'm Thunderstruck. And if the jockey sneezed, it probably nearly wins the trial. Um, and I think, see, it's gone up about $17. I reckon it's worth an each-way play. If Dancing Dubai, if something went wrong. I reckon Mbella is a really good each-way bet in this race. Um, I have high respect for, for 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 real life from the Leon and Troy Corson's yard. And I've just got a little roughie here. Uh, one of the Tassie horses. I reckon it hit the line okay last start. It's about fifty to one. It's drawn a shocking gate, but if they go mad up front, I thought Miss Tuppen showed a little return to form over the last couple of hundred meters last start. So um I'll probably back both Imbella and Dance to Dubai, but if you want to chuck Miss Tuppence in your first four at 50s with Brendan McCool on board, I reckon you could do a lot worse.
0: Yeah, $41 at the moment with Labrokes, Miss Tuppence, and Bella, $16. Did trial really well from the standpoint that uh, she went to the line untouched against some really, really nice horses. Uh, my take on the Bow Mistress Bear is that I do not like the Bow Mistress as a race. Uh, it's it's too hard for me. It's uh, it's a group three. Let me just reel off a few horses that have won this race in recent times. It's a race that often leaves Tassie. Life on the Wire was the last local winner in 2019. Prior to that, it was Izzy Bay Eva in 2014. Uh, last year won by Zushine. year before that, Ethical Solution, uh, Zargos, Life on the Wire, Go Go Grace. What do those five winners have in common bear i'm putting you on the spot here
1: oh geez question without notice um lot of sharing life in the wire but i didn't part any of the others so i've got no idea mate
0: none of those horses won another race after they won the bow mistress <laughs> the last winner of the bow mistress to win a race after winning it was ocean embers back in 2017 it's a race where we often see the mainlanders come across and chase a bit of black type and, and to be fair i mean that's what it's here for uh, basically what we see is, is horses coming across, targeting their first up. It's really difficult to line up the form and then, uh, they come, get the job done, leave and, and maybe have a couple of races again and, and off to the breeding barn they go. For me, it, it just makes for a, a good spectacle, but a, a really tough betting race. And for me, I, I, again, I, I think this is no exception. Dance to Dubai is the logical from 11. I think she comes across and probably sits outside Raduna from the Waterhouse bot stable and watching those trials bear. She's, Raduna definitely trialed a hell of a lot worse than Embella did. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's where for me, you kind of having not being familiar with the horse. It's like. Should you be concerned by those trials? I mean, on face value, you would be, but then you respect the fact that Waterhouse and Bod are bringing the horse over and and the stable, and it just adds to to a bit of the the puzzle for me. Um You mentioned Miss Tuppence Bear. Do, do you give the locals a, a puncher's chance here? I know Miss Tuppence is probably at the price. She, she maybe picks herself. She'll be back and can probably only be ridden one way, but what do you make of a horse like Queenborough Flyer that was so good in the Lady Lynette?
1: I'm just a little bit concerned about the gate. Um, obviously, they shed all the favours the other day, but the horse has had a lot of upside and is still uh, on the upward trajectory. I've actually said that word properly tonight, Snap, so it's taken me eight weeks, but we've got there. Um, as you touched on, mate, it's, it's a really hard race for the locals to win, and Life in the Wire was, a, you know, obviously her record spoke for itself. so I'm not sure there's any Life and the Wires in this race. Um, yeah, I think the majority of the prize will only be going to the mainlanders.
0: You mentioned a horse on the up, Queenborough Fly. She got eight rating points for the win in the Lady Lynette. She went from a 69 to a, a 77. So, uh I mean, seven starts, four wins. You, you mentioned the draw. The the locals got the visitors draw with this, unfortunately. Mm. Summer Fire's drawn well in four. And I touched on her as a horse I'd be keen to follow out of that 27 January meeting, but she's very aggressively placed here. Uh, by Adam Trinder, but um, she's owned by David and Robin Wish, who will no doubt have purchased her with an idea to to breed from her, and, and getting a bit of black type would absolutely be their goal. Um, as far as um, the hundred dollar staking strategy, which is what we're going to go with for Friday's program in the Bow Mistress Bear, where did you land?
1: Uh, I'm just going to have seventy five and dance to Dubai, and I'm going to have twenty five dollars on Embella.
0: Yeah, bo, mister, it's really hard race for me. Dancer Dubai, I marked it at three dollars, but there'll be people that that do this race that have a hell of a lot more of an idea than I do, given um, the number of mainlanders here. The two I probably landed on as slide overs for me Bear, were were Matt bets uh, in Raduna and for Real Life. I had Raduna leading it and for Real Life probably tucking in behind her. Mm. For that reason there, the couple I'll land on for my staking strategy, I'll I'll have 50 on Raduna and 50 on 4 Real Life. Uh, at the time of recording there, Raduna 6, 4 Real Life 7. I think I'll just go best tote and see what that throws up. Do you want to go the, the tote or or fix in the 225? No, uh, we'll, we'll go tote. We'll go tote.
1: Just on a side uh, note here, mate, what do you make of – Blake McDougall rode for real life last start at Flemington when it won. Dean Holland rode Embella in, in the trial against I'm Thunderstruck, but Dean is on for real life and Blake is on Embella.
0: Well, see, that, those, type, those type of little intricacies, I think, are, are what I'm good at from a tassie racing perspective. But, yeah. geez, I'll be stuffed if I know what's going on oh. there with, with those two. Here, but it's probably nothing maybe that committed for the rides uh, a long way out. I mean, Dean has ridden for real life as well and
1: a mm. mm,
0: bit of a... Bit of
1: Blake's a, ridden at the last two. I suppose Blake does ride a fair bit for Mbella. But then if you go back to the Derby, <laughs> Blake's riding for Luna and Troy, so I don't know what to make of it.
0: Mm. I will just add before we move on from the Bow Mistress is if the favourite doesn't win mm. Dance to buy, this could easily be a race that injects all kinds of value into the quaddy Because if of a horse, the quality of Miss Tuppence is your 40 to 50 to one outsider. Uh, and as you say, she was very good in the Lady Lynette, then anything could win this because mm-hmm. it's hard to find a horse in the race that was genuinely poor last start. The majority arrive here uh, in reasonable form. I think Dunbrody Powell was maybe a little bit disappointing on face value in the Lady Lynette, but much softer draw here. You could yeah. even kick up for her at at fifty. So it, it's a race that maybe can inject a bit of value into the quadie given we've got a couple of shorties early on. But you're with a favourite Dance Little by and a decent result on Embella. And I've gone a three and the four in a race that I don't have a heap of confidence in. Uh backtracking to we'll go to the Derby Bear first leg of the Quaddy. Um we've probably known for a while. Well, since the Lonnie Guineas and when it became apparent that, uh, that Dunkell would be sticking around for this race, that he would be a short price favourite. Uh, he's a tiny bit of a drifter, if you want to call it that, at $1.24 hmm. out to $1.26, uh, with lad breaks. I thought, uh, Midnight Glow deserved to be a clear second pick in this race. And, and after a little while, he has worked that out. $6.50, Cable Dancer at $10. And then we're out to Berserker for our mate chory at $18, open and shut to you, the Derby Bear.
1: I'd be surprised if Dunkel of Midnight Glow doesn't win. Obviously, Dunkel's been the sprue horse, and it was a tradesman-like win at Launceston it Gets out to 2200. I don't think the horse has gone backwards. Drawn nice. I don't think the field has great depth. And I mean, I wouldn't be diving into $1.25, $1.28, but I suppose if you're a thrill-seeker and you want to throw it in your multi, then go for your life. Midnight Glow was good at Flemington, and it's had a really, really nice trial since. So I'd be surprised if the winner doesn't come from those two. And I actually thought abrupt. Um, it had a pretty tough run for the first part of its race last start, and it stuck on okay. And I, I'm i throwing in Berserker from Shorey's Yard. I think it's got a little bit of upside, so... Um yeah, I'd be pretty I'd be shocked if one of the top two don't win.
0: Yeah, dunkel has been at Scotty's property at seven mile. Is that right, Bear? Do you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah has been. So it had a grass gallop earlier in the week, I'm pretty sure, and I think they're pretty happy with it. So yeah, if it takes its form in it's obviously going to be very, very hard to beat.
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue he shouldn't be a dollar twenty five, dollar thirty pop. He's got an amazing S profile Mm. and he just keeps winning but as you say Midnight Glow um, was good, less than two lengths off Dunkel when they met at at Flemington and I thought the trial at Geelong was really good from the standpoint that he certainly um, wasn't pushed out interesting that the same owners here and same colours are the ones that we spoke about with Gary earlier John Salonitri trains Eddie Hirsch and and others are in the Mm. in the uh, ownership of Midnight Glow so I'm sure this is a race that they've had on their agenda for a while. A cable dancer and, uh, abrupt bring the sort of form lines that saw last year's winner, the nephew, come across. I think unfortunately for them, Bear, they've probably run into a, or definitely one in Dunkell, but maybe another one in Midnight glow that have a little bit more upside. Um, uh, Berserker, I think Steve Shaw's pretty keen to, to get this horse out over a trip. Um, It'll be his first derby runner. unique glows an interesting one bear Philly taking on the boys when mm. the option of only racing five rivals was there, and the strut race rated through the roof last Sunday, given the time that they ran, but I mean it it has to be a run that maybe has the potential to to be a bit of a gut buster, you'd think for the Philly
1: yeah, potentially, um obviously Johnny Black has got a runner in the strut, so maybe he decided to split his. His horses up, so yeah, it was a really, really tough run um on Sunday, so providing it backs up okay, I'm I'm sure it'd be reasonably competitive, but I just couldn't find a spot for it in the first four.
0: Yeah, the the Derby, I mean, it's a it's a race that carries a lot of prestige in terms of the name, but I think a lot of people recognize that it often doesn't produce a a really progressive winner. This is another race that often leaves Tassie. The last locally trained horse to win it was a letter for Adam Trinder way back in, in 2016, obviously explosive Jack in 2021 was the exception to the rule regarding the derby. But, uh, I actually think this is a pretty reasonable addition of the derby. It just doesn't have the, the depth in terms of the numbers of the locals, but I think if we had another four or five reasonably okay-ish local stayers, we'd be going, oh, this isn't a bad race, and we'd have 12 or 13 runners. I think maybe the fact we've only got eight and and probably a couple that are really making up the numbers takes a little bit from it, but I think the the top two in terms of saddlecloth numbers and particularly the top, he's obviously a a really nice horse and whatever he does on Friday, I think will follow his career with a lot of interest. And I'm sure when he wins interstate, there'll be the old hashtag Taz form Hmm. thrown out to, uh, to get behind Dunkel, but does seem uh, pretty hard to turn over. Uh dunkel at the shorts, but not really interested in taking it. Maybe one for multiples, but agree that midnight close the obvious Quinella horse. Uh backtracking one race bear, the strut stakes, only a field of five. Uh sole choice, um $1.60 here, I think as much mm-hmm. as $1.70. Was bet early. She led at a really slow tempo. Very well rated by Jordan Childs in the uh launceston guineas. Now drops back to to take on her own sex. Dollar sixty
1: looks pretty enticing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, like long odds on is not really my go, but if you held a gun to my head and said I had to back either Soul Choice or Dunkell, I'd clearly be in Soul Choice's um corner. I just I'd said $1.70 was better, I reckon that's staggering. I'd, I thought it'd be a dollar twenty with all respect to the rest of the field. Um obviously took a really good one to just get her in the last hundred metres at Launceston and then you know, Geordie Child and Gay Waterhouse, they, they tend to suit each other's style. Geordie's a good raider of a horse that leads. So obviously the Gay Waterhouse and bot horses right, always stick on. And I just think, um, yeah, th- this is one where you could throw in your multis into something else you like over the, over the weekend and you'll get really nice profit. So yeah, I'm really keen on soul choice.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, her form's just just better than them. Um, I mean, I was very keen on Justin needs going into the 1,000 guineas and we were lucky enough to get the job done there. But she's a, a query at the trip, as is often the setup. I mean, she's just taken the logical progression to this race via the 1,000 guineas. But Soul Choice has had a, a couple of uh, runs over the distance under her belts. I mean, if Geordie Childs... Wants to turn this into any kind of a staying affair. I mean, it seems unlikely given he'll only have an opposition of four. You, you'd think he's probably just too good for them, and I, I can just see the dollar sixty get am- absolutely annihilated come race mm. day. And I think you're right, Bear. She probably does start about a dollar twenty, dollar thirty, and if she doesn't, it's, it's maybe alarm bells. But I, I just think it's her race. I marked her about a dollar a thirty ahead of Justin Needs. Who, I mean, the order here is pretty logical. She won the thousand guineas. She had a, a four, four length margin to cloudy nights and the other two are made ineligible who, who might run the trip, but probably looking for something easier. So a, a disappointing addition of the strut. It, it has to be said, but you could see it coming from a while ago. And, um, I mean, this race does tend to hold up pretty well. Uh, great memories from you a couple of years ago, Bear with Hella, but still a star won it. Three mm. years ago, I mean, Hot Dip's a winner of this. We generally do have a pretty handy uh, three-year-old staying filly, it's, and and that may well be just the needs this year, but um, unfortunately just not in the depth in the ranks, and we'll lo- reload next year and hopefully get a, f- a few more numbers.
1: I've got a little theory on this, and I don't have any uh, data to back it up, but I, I just think because our Yearling sales have become such well attended by people from around Australia. I think a lot of our good stock is actually getting bought at these sales and races in a state. So, look, as I said, I have no data to back that up, but just, you know, the Derby's only got eight runners. The Strut's got five. I think we have maybe seven runners in the Cup that are Tassie sort of trained. Well, maybe a couple more, but... I just think because our sales are so good and like the, the studs that we have in the state, people just are gravitating towards buying horses from our sales. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad problem from a sale point of view, but because the, the horses are so good and they're such good value that people are wanting to buy from our sales. So maybe that's a little contributing factor why we don't have, you know, 10 or 12 in the strut anymore.
0: Yeah, and and it's a lot I think for these horses to that have maybe been up since say a three-year-old cup to to work mm. their way through and and still be firing, come Strutton Oaks time. But like I say, we we normally do have stronger numbers than this. So we won't throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater and and hope that we get um, bigger numbers next year. The last of the features on Friday night's programme, Bear, is the Carbine Club plate. It's uh time honored. It's always on this programme. The Carbine Club have a big function on Derby Day that'll be well attended. Thirty thousand dollars, but essentially a fifty thousand dollar race It's it's Tazbred bonus eligible and the majority of these are. Um full field of fifteen, couple of scratchings, a couple that are also uh accepted for Hobart on Sunday, which is Something to look for for punters if markets are posted before a lot of these come out. There are a number of dual acceptors and quite a few that are likely to be in the market. I'm not sure that'll be the case in this race, but uh, Carbine Club, Plate Bear, a lot of these coming via the inaugural Black Flash, which was won by Miami Sun.
1: Yeah, and you'd think Miami Sun would be the hardest to beat. Um, Regardless For its SP, its last two wins have been sensational. So... Obviously it's drawn a bit of a sticky gate, but price dependent of course, but uh, it might be worth having a play. Just think it's a really, really even race. Um, I'll be interested, muscle-ups finally drawn a gate. So be interesting what the market does with that. And I thought it was a really good maiden winner after a couple of unlucky runs. So um, yeah, it's a pretty even race, I think. Um, I thought fact, Fake Magic went all right the other day as well. So um, yeah, yeah, as I said, if you can disregard the SPs of Miami Sun, it's, it's the one to beat.
0: I won't be. I was lucky enough to have something on Miami Sun the last two right. runs. So. Oh God, we, don't we, go there. We, we won't be forgetting about that. Uh, I think the race starts and stops with Miami Sun and, uh, muscle up. They'll be the only two I'm putting in the quaddy. I think if you, and, and you just have to based on what we've seen since, um, uh, Miami Sun failed to beat a runner home on debut. Or at his second start, which is why he went around $61 and, and for, I guess I can see why, but the market didn't really give a lot of respect to, to that win in the inaugural black flash. He's trialled like a really good horse. His win in that three year old maiden was, was excellent. And, and then again, what he did last time was, was really good as well. So uh, Brooke Hannum will have done all the work, uh, with this horse for a partner, David Keating, barrier 13. She's got to go back and, and she's going to have to round them up, which, uh, I guess is a query on a horse like Muscle Up, who was super in defeat two starts ago when beaten by a Zulu Angel, wide no cover from a garbage gate. Uh, subsequently was very well supported in Launceston and, and won pretty well there. A soft margin on the line, as you say, Bear, draws a gate. I struggled to split those two. I had, uh, Miami Sun at at 280, a very narrow favourite over Muscle Up at $3, who will be, uh, in front, probably in the first couple, but I maybe look at it as something similar to the last start where we saw Bold Instinct just have the right run and maybe Miami Sun was too good. It it might be a, a pretty smart horse, Miami Sun. I mean, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more here, but I just think there's a lot of, lot, lot of merit to the, his performances. Um, if you take out the fact he was a big price as well. And, and I think the others have got to improve a, a fair bit as well. So, um, they're the two there. Support races on Friday, Bear. There'll be a lot from, uh, Scotty and Teagan stable. We've got any little nuggets that you might be able to throw at us for some of the support races, which do look pretty difficult.
1: No, I don't need any nuggets, but I actually think, and I haven't been a massive wrap of this horse. I've got a small share in and a few of the boys from footy. We've all got a little syndicate called Nico the Greek. Just think the last day, the last race on the card will be 10 coronas deep. There's mad speed in the race and big Nico might just blouse them late and there'll be an eruption in the grandstand. So that's the sort of script I'm hoping will play out. But, um, yeah. As I said, I think the sixty-five, dollar seventy, sole choice is, you know, whatever you're going to back on the weekend, make sure you put that in it.
0: Yeah, it does look the one. Uh, in the Nico race, I'm pretty keen to follow up on GG Queen Bee Bear. I was with her in Launceston, sort of clued onto the fact that, that she's a low-draw horse. She needs to be kept smothered up and, and saved for a sprint. That yeah. happened there. Unfortunately, she missed a kick, though, and, and couldn't really get out in time. Savage line and was probably a good thing beaten and the market absolutely smashed her. Like her from the low draw, and let's hope it's not a, another flying to Paris from a few weeks ago in the last race where Nico knocks. <laughs> Speak us for yourself. Off. <laughs>
1: Ladbroke's new bet ticket now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbroke's app and see where the big bets land. Get the download on the download. Ladbroke ads.
0: Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On to Sunday, group three, Ladbroke's Hobart Cup day. Uh, Deep day of racing, Bear. Big fields. These days we've only got the, the two feature races, but, uh, geez, they're absolute beauties. Uh, the Thomas Lyons I refer to and the Hobart Cup, which is worth $300,000 this year. Uh, we've got a field of 13. Uh, and we do have markets for the Hobart Cup. They came out uh, about mid-afternoon. Barrier draw was at 11 o'clock this morning. Spirit Ridge for Annabelle Neesham at three dollars with Laddie's is the favourite ahead of military mission who brings the same form line at four fifty. Ain't no deal done five fifty. Swoop dog the best of the locals at eight dollars. Bear might start with just one simple question. Is the Hobart Cup leaving Tasmania in twenty twenty
1: three? Potentially, but I I think we've got like I personally think Glass Warrior is the best best local hope. I think she's absolutely flying uh this preparation and from her gate, I think she's gonna get every chance if Chelsea has some luck. So when a couple of these horses in front of her start gasping for air. Um, you know, I think they bet fifteen dollars in early markets with Glass Warrior. So um I think she's the best of the local chances. Um I'm probably, from the interstate point of view, I know everyone's going to have their opinion, but I actually did some research today on my day off looking after my young son. I actually went back through military missions form, and if you go back to 2021, which I know is a fair while ago, but if it brings its form from Ascot over 2,400 metres where it was beaten 1.9 lengths by Shorefire. So for those listeners out there who don't know who Surefire is, it ran second in the Geelong Cup in 2022, and the winner of the Geelong Cup ran second in the Melbourne Cup. Gay Waterhouse, Winona Costin, it'll be tough. We'll relish the 2,400 metres, and I think it should be favourite.
0: Yeah, five-year-old now trained by Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bot, military mission, Winona Costin rides... That combination were good enough to win the Tassie Guineas a few weeks ago uh, with Rush and Ronnie. Uh, market is really siding with that Warwick Farm Australia Day Cup listed race form bear, which, to be fair, it it probably does look the strongest form on paper. Uh, Spirit Ridge started 480 there. Military Mission 650. Not a heap between them in the market. Military Mission goes up a kilo for that. So we'll meet the Toppy a kilo worse. Not difficult to argue that he's probably got more upside than than the Toppy Bear who did most of his damage earlier in his career and, and he, going back a couple of years to to probably find his best form. But I mean, one big tick for the Toppy Bears, certainly Blake Shin coming across. It's a real coup to have him riding on the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, Blake's world class. He's been in unbelievable form in Melbourne and, um, from the gate, it's going to get a very similar run, I think, to what it did at Flemington when it won, um, two starts ago. So, um, I've always had a little knock on the top weight in the Hobart Cup for some reason, but <laughs> that went out the window last year when Ho Ho Khan absolutely demolished him with 59 or whatever it carried. So, um, yeah, you got a full respect. Annabelle Nishan's an unbelievable trainer who's only really been training in her own right for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would round out my first four with Swoop Dog. Um, I just think you got to respect how Johnny Blackest. Is- Stables going, Ziggy Car, you know, they've won every cup we've had in the last sort of six weeks. So, um, yeah, but I'm going to base my punting around military mission and Glass Warrior, but I'll just on the Ain't No Deal Done as well. Um, it's obviously, uh, had a couple of horrific injuries. So it's good to see it back in form. Um, and I think it'll be hitting the line really hard. So, um, I'd prefer to be on Gay's Horse and Glass Warrior rather than Spirit Ridge, but, just remember, I'm the plasterer, and you're the expert.
0: You say that, but that's like the, that's just an asterisk, um, that, and we don't need the asterisks when it when it comes to this. Uh, I did my runner by runner for this race this afternoon and put it up on the site. Whenever I do a market myself, I, I don't look at the betting market because it basically warps your view and and becomes a waste of time. So I had a fair idea when I put Spirit Ridge at 450 favorite, that that would be a decent over based on the actual betting market because the all in market, uh, had Spirit Ridge sort of 350 ish, maybe, um, with a couple others in that, that unfortunately didn't make the trip. Knox for me on Spirit Ridge bearer that he hasn't, I know he won two starts ago at, um, Flemington, but prior to that hadn't won for a long time. Certainly his winning strike rate isn't prolific in recent seasons. That race at Flemington was very slowly run. He was up on the speed. Mm. It, it became a two horse war. He had the best, better of swords drawn, who then came out and was safely held at Mooney Valley by, I think maybe a horse called Eaton, who's a, a real yeah. veteran and at, at any old price, I think it was about 40 to one. So that win didn't get a, a huge push. And then last time, seemingly had every chance at Warwick Farm and, and it was a listed race and and his form lines in terms of group threes, group twos are probably strong. But again, Sydney trainers don't have a, a great record in this race. You've got to go back over a decade to find bid spotted trained by Graham Rogerson who won a Hobart Cup. So I'm, I'm just not convinced that it the form is as strong as it looks on paper. It, it may well be. And and the market may be right, but geez, the, the market is is kind of putting all its faith in that. And we would have sat here nearly 12 months to the day and gone, oh, the, the Hobart Cup's not a, a toppy's race. You've you got to be a good <laughs> horse to get. And like you said, Ho-Ho can't brain them. So, but, you take that that horse out, and and traditionally it hasn't been so. Spirit Ridge does need to give three and a half kilos to this field, and and will need to be a bit a fair bit better than them uh, if he's winning on Sunday. Does draw ideally? He's just a little bit short for me, and and taking a little bit of a stance against that form line. Military Mission, who's I definitely thinks probably closer to the right price than Spirit Ridge. Um, I'm probably just against him. As well, I couldn't agree more with Glass Warrior. We basically uh, put all our cards on the table with this horse mm-hmm. when we reviewed uh, the Summer Cup, didn't we? She was just the absolute flashing right light run. Uh, I think she eats twenty four hundred. She drew gate one in this race last year, and I watched that replay again today. I think what's key to remember there is that by Whatever race it was, let's call it race sixteen race. or seventeen yeah. of a yeah of a two day carnival where we did have a bit of rain across those days. the inside just wasn't where you wanted to be You, you had to be swooping down the outside and we basically saw in that race where ho ho Khan was with Glass Warrior for the most part in the run Bullant went through them uh. The rider on Ho Ho car, I think it was Talia Hope, went around them and, and just brained them. And um, White Hawk swooped down the ax- outside just to knock off Class Warrior as well. You'd think with the forecast that we have, um, the inside probably won't chop out as bad. It, it probably still will a little bit. But I also think in this race, it's going to be genuinely run. I've got a bit of a feeling, Bear, that I'm so cool on the one week backup might just be a real handlebars down try and bust it open see if we can pinch a break kind of what it did in the summer cup except it actually didn't go that hard they just let it get away with murder in the front that's not going to be the case here because you've got horses like a uh, military mission uh, rising light who i think a bit put a bit more heat on swoop dog drawing nines probably going to come across and there just always is a, a lot more heat in the Hobart Cup. So I think it's going to be genuinely run. And I think Glass Warriors is certainly uh, the pick of the locals. Again, I don't want to repeat what we said on previous podcasts, but I think if it is a genuinely run affair, Swoop Dog might be found out at the end, but I was wrong about him in the Summer Cup, and he's obviously obviously airborne. A horse like Dark Dream Bear, who was smashed in the betting last time, you still think maybe needs a, a bit of cutout to, for him to be a winning chance?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If he's winning the race, I'm out of the quaddie and I'm losing. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be no shock to see him win. I suppose he's trained by some very good young trainers and ridden by Froggy Newitt. So um, I'm sure it'd be a popular win. But as I said, if
0: it wins, I won't be. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Rising light, flying, mm. probably just needs something a bit easier. And I'd put travelling gigolo in that category as well, Bear. Just going super, but... Um, being thrown in the deep end uh, in this preparation, I, I'd love to see him in like a, a 78 handicap or something like that. You'd just mm-hmm. be absolutely unloading, but might be a little bit difficult. So He will stay though,
1: which I'm not sure if every
0: horse in the race
1: will stay. So, you know, he could be a top five or six hope traveling gigolo.
0: And hasn't had a lot of luck in either lead ups cluttered up on, mm. on the fence. And I was at the barrier draw today. I know Megan was tickled pink with drawing five for, for Dave on traveling gigolo. So tend to agree with that one for the multiples, but hundred dollar staking strategy. Who are you with?
1: You know, I want to have, uh, $40 on glass warrior tote, please. Done. And 60 on military mission. I want to take fix cause I reckon it'll start favorite.
0: Mm, interesting. 450 for you about military yeah. mission. It's uh, taken me nine weeks to say something controversial. <laughs> I don't mind it. Uh, well, we did see this a couple, couple of years ago. Um, I think, or no, last year we found In a Twinkling and that was smashed as well. But Ho Ho Khan sort of defied that and was too good. For me, I'm Glass Warrior each way. Uh, big honour for Chelsea Baker, who has been with the horse all preparation. It'll be the biggest ride of her career by a long way she'll need a a bit of luck from barrier one but let's hope it comes and i mean i I said it a while back that i probably would have taken about a dollar oh eight for an interstate horse to win the hobart cup and now the time arrives and i'm hoping a local wins so (laughs) that's how well i'm going but uh let's be cheering for a local to win the hobart cup and let's hope it's the gray glass warrior Thomas Lyon stakes bear. This is a race that you will be eagerly awaiting mm. for the all-star mile. Um potential runner, the inevitable, who you've got a share in, made a, a nice start to the to the votings right up there on the leaderboard. Uh, he is the favourite with Ladbrokes. $2 is the inevitable rebel factor. They bet as much as $7. Nah, that was an error. Quickly knocked into $5.50, now $4.20. First accused at $6, and then we're out to Mandela Effect and the Alpine Wolf at twelves. There are a few interstate noms for this race, Bear, that unfortunately haven't made the trip across. But uh, as far as the locals, this is probably a field that's as good as we could possibly get.
1: Yeah, I think we identified that, um, after the meeting at Launceston on Friday night, that this would be the potential makeup. So, um, I'm sure the club's really happy. It's a competitive race. Um, all I can tell the listeners is we're very happy with how the inevitable is. His feet are really good. Um, he's healthy and we're looking forward to, to Sunday.
0: It's a really big day, isn't it, Bear, from the standpoint of his, all-Star Mile candidacy. I mean, a, a lot of work's going on. You've done a great job with the team pushing his case and, and the story's huge. But at the end of the day, the All-Star Mile's a horse race and if he's to be any chance at all in that, he'd need to be running very well on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you sort of feel a little bit of pressure. I mean, I'm sure Scotty deep down would feel a little bit of pressure as well. Um, you know, we want to see him come out and run really well and hopefully that means you get to W and, all those people on track um, can give him a vote because obviously they can go into a draw if they become our ambassador for the day, if we get there. And if we happen to win the big one, 250,000 gets put into the back pocket. So, um yeah, I mean, it, to be honest, mate, I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to this race more than the cup. Um, looking forward to this race more than any race over the weekend. So, um yeah, I'm lucky enough to have a small share in the inevitable Mandela and first accused. So hopefully they'll get around safely.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an absolute beauty this race. I think he's about it. Even money, the inevitable. Um, Nice to get a full field. I mean, the the Tassie Stakes we only had four. It was genuinely run. First accused uh, went to the lead there. I mean, any time you get the big grey Sir Simon in a race, bear he's got a bit of a target on his back. Basically, they all know if they let him get away with murder, he'll he'll bowl along and, and take yeah. some catching. And, and from that standpoint, I think uh horses like My Word is probably first accused out wide even rebel factor will probably know brendan that uh he can't settle behind never won't expect to run past him i think he'll he'll need to be in front and and hope that he can hold him off uh for me, I think the home ground advantage is real here. Bear um, Rebel mm. Factor has to come down and, and race at Hobart for the first time. Uh, the inevitables foot issues have been widely documented. I think we've seen Hobart's a track that's maybe a little bit uh, easier on horses' joints than than Lonnie has. I think a lot of warm weather on the Lonnie track probably hasn't hasn't helped yeah. that, but. Uh, I marked the inevitable dollar sixty five and uh Rebel Factor at three eighty in a race that again I, I can't see anything else beating them. It, it's hard to see both of those horses being off their game. First accused getting a lot of respect from the market and I think it's clear third pick, but she's just too short at six fifty, isn't he, Bear? I think, I think the others so. will probably trim up and he'll start double figures.
1: I think so. I actually thought uh Alpine Wolf might be one for the um, exotics. Um, it's obviously had a little freshen up since it's Devonport Cup run and it's form prior to that. that. was pretty good. So um, if you want to sort of throw that in, your trifecta's even first floors, I reckon it's worthwhile putting in.
0: Blinker's first time for the wolf off that little uh, Devonport Cup freshen. Uh, I kicked up for him in the conquering, but... Yeah, just think the other two. Uh, I'm not going any wider than that. But uh, it's going to be a, an absolute beauty, the Thomas Lyons. It's always a real feature of the carnival. I, I said that I secretly don't like the Bow mistress, but I love the Thomas Lyons bear. Mm, same. It's, a, it's always a beauty. First leg of the quarter, though, not going any wider than the inevitable and rebel factor. And remember to vote for the inevitable uh, we great. won't take up any more time in terms of trying to find anything out wide on Hobart Cup Day, Bear. It feels like miles away. We've got to get through Friday first. Yeah. Um, look on the socials and the Taz Racing website for our thoughts there. Uh, but we'll keep it moving along. Bear's brief.
1: Well, there's no Bear's brief this week. I'm just going to uh, just let people know there's still a handful of tickets only left for the Labrokes Lounge and for the YRT tent. So make sure you get on to... The website and get your tickets because um, it's a perfect day weather-wise. Um, Campbell Brown's hosting the YRT and I'm sure he'll provide plenty of entertainment. Yours truly is the Labbroke's host, so looking forward to that as well. So don't miss out. Where else could you get value for money like that anywhere in Australia? I don't think you can, um, but just following on from last week we mentioned the sterling graphic design tassie legends sideline series cards that um neil walsh from tasmanian bloodstock is giving away the full set so we said there was going to be a competition so the competition is you've got a hundred dollar strategy so once tas racing put up uh, the link to our podcast uh, whether that's later tonight or tomorrow you have up until race one on Sunday to put your $100 strategy up. And it's quite simple. Whoever wins, uh, returns the most money on the cup, you take away the set. So if in the uh, instance that there was a tie, then um, you'll have to listen next week to let you know what you're going to have to do next week. So... I'll be very surprised there is a tie, but uh make sure you have your entries in before race one kicks off on Sunday.
0: So that's a hundred dollar strategy bear on the cup. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. can be win, place, exotics. Um we'll give you whatever we'll give you best toad if it's win or place and yeah. uh home toad if it's exotics.
1: Oh jeez, that's rough. <laughs>
0: You win, but you lose. Don't, don't make any more enemies with, with the tab. We're, we're a, we're a Lad Breaks podcast anyway. Absolutely. Uh, no mention from me on who potential female talent might be at the Hobart Cup. I, got, I did enough damage on last week's podcast. Yeah. But what <laughs> I will say is that it has not gone unnoticed by anyone involved with the day that the Jack Jumpers will be mm. playing at the same time as the Hobart Cup. Now, if they lose on Thursday night, It will be a home final at 2 o'clock on Sunday at uh, my state. If they win, they'll be in New Zealand at about 4 o'clock. In any event, that match will be very prominent on course on a variety of screens. We'll be doing what we can to potentially get it on the big screen in between races and things like that. So uh, if you were thinking about not coming to the races because you want to watch the Jackies and who wouldn't, you can do both because it'll be on at the races as well
1: love TVs on with sport on Snapper. So well done there if you've pushed that through.
0: Do you? You haven't, you haven't mentioned it before.
1: Well, it's taken 12 months. Just backtracking. So was the draw in the conquering room again today or did they have a boat or something?
0: It was. You just, you know, just pick your battles, mate. We've got the sport on the tellies. We might get, we might get the <laughs> boat next year. Uh, Snapper's <laughs> special. I've, I've, I, 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 heard something interesting. I was listening to another racing podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually, when I was on the way to Bruny Island and a shout out to my mate, Scoot, who I used to work with at Betfair and, and the bet doctor team. They have uh Nico Noonan on there as a, as an expert. Um, who does some Tassie stuff nowadays for, for racing.com and a really good judge, Nico. And I, I think he had a really good day on Sunday. So one of the Gee few, punters, one of the few punters that did that. So well done to Nico. But, um, one thing I found interesting there were comments of John Walter, uh, who's a pretty renowned racing pundit and, and a really good judge. And he mentioned that punning in smaller jurisdictions like Tassie he finds difficult because it's less about the horse's ability and, and the setup going in and more about jockeys and tactics. And I thought that was a a really interesting comment and one that I tend to agree with. And probably I think something that gives me a bit of an edge in specializing in Tassie Bear is that over time you become familiar with jockeys and trainers and who might be riding where and, and, stables that trial a bit quiet and I mentioned you mentioned Dean Holland and Blake McDougall before that type of thing might make a bit more sense in Tassie than than trying to uh trying to pick it out um, from visiting jockeys but I thought it, it was never more evident than Sunday in Launceston with the main class one I had a bit of um back and forth with uh Matty the Tassie Form Analyst on Twitter just about how differently the race was run compared to last start and I think we worked out that Lonnie Knights went about 40 lengths quicker to the 600 than it did the start prior when it ran second and like if you can predict that type of stuff then you're just you're just an absolute genius and I mean that that's an extreme example but even going back to more bigger races like the Summer Cup and the Brighton Cup we picked up there that races with very similar fields would just run extremely differently and it's very difficult to pick up why those tactics might happen and in the end if you get the race wrong in terms of how it's going to be run that badly then you're just completely lucky if you still manage to find the winner but it was kind of a a a a comment without really having an opinion myself. I just thought it was, it was really interesting, Bear, those comments that in a jurisdiction like Tassie, and I know a lot of, a lot of people like to focus on something like that because it's the cl- closed pool of horses and you get to learn more about them. But I think it is right that sometimes the best horse doesn't necessarily win the race. And I think we saw that more often than not with due respect to the winners on Sunday.
1: Yeah, but I suppose it's just doing your research and identifying. Stables that you have actually have some success with and jockeys that you actually like backing, so whether it gets to the stage where you just pen something because of who it's trained by or who it's ridden by, I think that'll uh that'll save you in the long run but um yeah, I mean everyone has
0: their different theories, but I can understand probably why he's saying that and I think it's yeah, I mean not everyone has the same edge, do they I mean some people. Um, can make money on the pump by doing form a different way from someone who can make money by doing completely different one, but thought that was interesting and, and good insight, mm. and if you get the opportunity, it's a, it's a great racing podcast, The Bet Doctor one. Uh, we've gone for a long time, Bear. I reckon mm. we'll probably be in the hour and a half range for this one, but we did try and cover two meetings uh, Hopefully people can listen to this one ahead of Friday and ahead of Sunday. It's just going to be an outstanding couple of days in Hobart. The weather's turning it on and we'll sort of unpack it all next week. Yeah, can't wait.
1: Please vote for the inevitable. Um, can't wait for Friday night. I'm excited. That'll be my grand final because I obviously have to do my best behaviour on uh, Sunday. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go.
0: Vote one, the inevitable. Thanks, Bear. Good luck to you and good luck to everyone that's listening.